Out of all the cities you've lived in, what do you reckon has the best water? Which city? Like straight out of the tap? Yeah. LA. LA? Oh my god. Y'all shouldn't be drinking water out of the tap. Like, literally, do y'all not know what Flint, Michigan is? I, I feel know. like I have to tell you. I have so many. Uh, uh, water purification is so key to su- survival. I like to drink water out of the tap. I'd honestly drink it out of a puddle on the street because I feel like it will. You, you remember what the water... Uh, New York has, like, the best tap water, but you still shouldn't drink False. it out of the tap. That's what they Wait, said. Wait, does it actually? False. Melbourne water was rated higher than New York water. But where does Melbourne get their water from? America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is so good. Oh, you win. You win. I can't find that. We're back with episode four of the Esports Startup Podcast. I had the distinct honor of introing us this week, and I am here with Matthew Gunnan and Johnny Hockey. Yay, well done, Jordan. Hey, thanks. That was really good, Jordan. Thanks. Best one yet. I appreciate it. Just kidding. Uh, t- <laughs> Today we're going to go over uh, the VCs that we've spoken to thus far. You know, we're really into our Series A now. Uh, Last week, we spoke about the prep, getting our deck ready, uh, kind of the whole process behind designing the deck and and the information it contains. Now we're going to jump right into the VC conversations that we've been having since then and uh, also talk a bit about what we'll be up to next week. All right, so let's uh, jump right into it. So last week, we had a several actually investors investor meetings we had some in the office some i know you had calls with matt uh you want to jump into the first first meeting ad yeah we um what week is it so it's been been a busy couple of weeks to be honest yeah that's Um, an understatement yeah we um let's see earlier in the week we met with a couple of firms both uh both on the phone through Zoom meetings, and then uh, and then they actually had some meetings that went from kind of the intros to quickly into due diligence, where they were inter- introing me to some of their other kind of one one thing firms do is if the uh, if the talks you know go well early on, they'll put you in touch with one of their one of the companies that they've actually invested in prior that might be you know in your in your space, and so. One of the early meetings that we actually had was with um, with an esports company that kind of kind of to check us out and see how we were doing and uh, if we were at a good good investment. And then throughout the week, we just had more more phone calls um, with firms both in LA. Uh, we had some that were in Boston, you know, and then a number in San Francisco. I went to a couple of hotels to meet with people, not in their hotel room. But down in the the lobby, um, I was driving around LA most of yesterday. So yeah, it's been been a very busy past two weeks to say say the least. That's for sure. I'm always interested in like learning about you know why companies will uh, sorry investment firms will actually get you to talk to one of their companies. What I if think, they're yeah. completely different? You know, can you can you actually just group all esports companies into the same category? Because I mean, there's a lot of us that are doing very different things. So how? How right. valid is it that they can determine that if our company is going to be good or if we're going to work well together or... Yeah. I mean, we get... Well, I mean, we just get... I know that that conversation was very, uh, was very specific to... Uh, like, it was a company that also did data. So that was why they were... They were wanted us to talk to them. Were they an esports company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, like some of our investors have sent us companies to look at. I think when it's like the, I don't think it's necessarily they think that all esports companies like innately understand what the other ones are doing or like are doing the same thing, but they, I think they understand that esports people that work in esports understand what the community is like, like what the community reaction will be to a product or they at least trust their opinion more maybe than their own opinions because yeah, so they're not I, actually like in the space and they don't. For sure. I wonder just how, how important like that, how much does that actually weigh into the decision making? You know, just like, yeah, these could be a good idea or you should definitely invest. Like if I was to, as an esports company and, and my um, investors said, hey, talk to these guys, would I be like saying, you know, these guys are awesome. You should invest in them. And how much, how much of a decision would that impact the um, the overall? For instance, one of the VCs at the first startup accelerator we went to like months ago, like six months to a year ago. Now he's he sent through like a comp- another gaming company they were considering investing. Oh yeah, in. I remember. And like I remember he sent it, and we looked over, and he just wanted to get our opinions on if if we thought it was a smart investment or not. Uh, and I think that one, unfortunately, we said no. But. Uh, but I, so I imagine they take the opinion pretty highly into consideration. I'm actually meeting with uh, a guy at GDC that's being going through the due diligence phase right now with um, with both Crest and uh, and I think Exceed, yeah, Crest and Exceed. So um, just to, and he he is more interested in finding out about them and finding out about the uh, you know the firms that we've worked with. But I think I think Exceed or I think Damon's asked me about them, so I've I've kind of actually, you know, been the reference check I guess on both sides of this uh, of this deal. But I think yeah, talking during the fundraising process, uh, you know, I think where there if they if the firm has any you know recent esports investments, um, this intro was made, and I think it's made both to see if there's any potential partnership you know, uh, for the future, like that if they invest in us and they've already invested in this other esports company, one is their conflict. And two is if there isn't, can these two companies work together, you know, in the future? Cause if we're joint for investors in both, it, it benefits to, uh, you know, benefits everyone if they can work together. And yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I don't know this offhand, but I, I assume that for investors to invest in like a company that's mutually benefit or that is like synergistic with another one of their companies that have already invested in. I, they're constantly trying to do that. Right. Like that's, is that say so? Yeah. yeah. I would say, I think there's a fine line though, between uh, investing in a a synergistic company uh, versus someone that might compete with your company. Hmm. So I think that's the area they have to, you know, because you never know what, what your company or what that company is going to do. And like, a year or two down the line and now and honestly i don't think it matters i don't think firms vc firms should have to worry about you know what the future looks like for companies and eventually all companies you know if they get big enough they'll all overlap um so but i think uh, yeah I, mean, I think they just have to kind of you know some uh f- firms take what their what their kind of uh, uh companies that they've invested in take kind of the the feedback that they provide, you know, much higher than others. So I think it all kind of depends. But either way, the conversations went really well, from from what I recall, with a uh, with both the fund and the uh, the referral check. That's good. Yeah. So I remember, um, I think one of the first in-house VC meetings, like in-person VC meetings that we had, uh, it was just one guy that came in 
And I, I remember one of the things that stood out to me, like not being in the meeting, was just how how much you two spoke like casually during the meeting. Mm-hmm. And like I, I remember hearing him talking about gaming, which is not something I've heard many VCs you've spoken to talk about. Yeah. Um, do, do you have like? Yeah, there's not many. Yeah, that? I mean, there's not. That, that's one thing that uh, within kind of the VC world, it's like there's not very many funds or, or investors that come from within gaming or esports so you have to when you find one that does and this guy definitely came from he was he was a gamer since yeah i think he he started things all by saying like he was a professional counter-strike player when he was a kid and uh and would play you know 12 hours a day of counter-strike and as soon as he said that i was like all right i mean i immediately knew i was like yeah i got i have something to talk to him about and so we spent probably the first you know 30 40 minutes of the meeting <clears throat> and this is an hour long you know this is an hour long meeting and uh and and someone of the like this fund they definitely are are one of the higher tiered uh funds and they have a very you know large amount of capital that they can invest you know multi-billions and uh and so if i have an hour with someone like that like it it's not always advantageous to to spend 30 minutes not talking about your company um and most of the time i will i would quickly kind of try to steer the conversation back to you know getting into let's talk about esports one why you should invest in us versus you know recollecting about gaming or uh, our favorite teams or favorite sports that we played or esports that we played or games that we, you know growing up but this was one of those kind of situations where it made the most sense to try to connect with this person at a high level as well as kind of a personal level. And, uh, and I think, I think, yeah, it it, conversation went really well because of that. Yeah. I think with, um, you know, if you're talking to an investor that hasn't experienced esports or like kind of understands what the concept is, but hasn't, you know, really been involved in the scene, you spend a lot of that meeting going through the kind of stages and and what esports is and why it's important. When you got someone like that that comes in, it's like you can skip, you know, the first part of the deck almost because you're not having to talk so much about, you know, what the market size is, what esport is, you know, how it's, you know, going to impact entertainment and, you know, what the community is like. So you can kind of go from, um, yeah, you kind of like can fast track that, and I think that's can be advantageous. But yeah, you're right. You know, if you've only got an hour meeting or if you've got shorter meeting than that, we, you know, what we're doing is quite complex in a lot of ways, even for people that are in the esports space. So you have to understand like, you know, explain what deep learning is and what technology we're using. So there's a lot to cover still. So you got to kind yeah. of fast track. And that takes a long, like, and it, it's important that you get that, especially with what we're doing, it's important that they understand uh, what's being built. So, you know, you want to spend as much time as you can ensuring that they have full clarity into what's being, uh, what your product is. But luckily for us, you know, or this uh, situation, yeah, I didn't have to get in like they. This person understood right off the bat like what our one console was. Like he was like, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and understand understood the overlays, the stats. You know, really, what he only thing he cared about was uh, user base and you know what the revenue model re- revenue plan was, and he understood everything else really really clearly. Does that like does that do you ever find that kind of kills your flow? Um, absolutely yeah Yeah. i would i I was jumping all around the deck like i was jumping like i was having to jump from slide to slide i knew as soon as he i would pull up a slide he would like he would give me kind of feedback like oh yeah 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 like and i could tell that he this he knew all this like he he knew the market size he knew i don't know kind of it was one like so i was just i was 
just speeding through the deck. As it's almost time. like he came in and just immediately understood what we're trying to do. He just wanted to know like our traction and progress. Like he just immediately well, I think also that it. helped. Like it also helped from because we spent thirty minutes like kind of on a personal level that uh, it made it easier. Uh, it it's hard to kind of put in a word, but it's like it made it so that I didn't have. I wasn't in pitch mode the entire time. It like puts a, you at ease. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're, you're relaxed. Like just conversation mode. Well, at that point, you know, you, you're probably able to articulate what you want a lot better, right? Because right. you're always a little bit nervous going into a pitch. It doesn't, you know, matter how experienced you are because, you know, what's on the line is, is so important right. to the company. So having someone that you kind of build rapport in such a quick time just means that, you know, it's a lot easier. Like, yeah. And that goes across to any meetings that you have. Uh, any of these meetings is if you can find something. And that's why before every meeting, especially if it's with a big fund, I'll spend time like trying to find any podcasts that they've been on or any articles that they've written just so that I can, you know, I can highlight or kind of find something that we can connect on um, that's not specific to the company. And even if they're, you know, even if I have to tie it into the company, Figuring out, do they care more about product market fit? Do they care more about, you know, revenue? Do they care more about users? And then tailoring sort of the conversation around that. That's funny. Um, I'm going to give a little shout out to our Slack community here. Dean Burroughs was actually chatting in the Slack community after our last episode about how they actually have built different versions of their deck for different people they pitched to. I think the specific example he gave was they have like one version that doesn't have the, you know, esports industry information in the beginning of the deck and they have one version that does. Um yeah, that makes sense. It, it's hard to know though. I, I would, you got to really know. Who but yeah, you don't in. know that person that you're pitching to. Yeah. Like complete, like you know that the the guy that I met earlier uh, last week, like he could be a, a big time gamer, and and I would have known that. But I wouldn't, you know, he might have no idea what the esports. Yeah. You know what esports is. But that is interesting. So basically, what you do is before VC meetings, you try and you don't necessarily change your deck, but you research the person you're talking to, and then I, I assume you're thinking about how you can tailor. Like what point, the different points of the deck you can focus yeah, on. Yeah, I wouldn't, more. like I wouldn't ever have, I mean, I think you kind of, you, whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, I think if you have things kind of structured in the right, in a good enough way that you can, you're, you're fine with just having one deck. Um, and you can, that's where, why the appendix and, and what, and you know, whatnot comes in to play. Um and then you just tailor kind of your, you know, how you how you communicate it to them. Um, if someone's interested in their your company, it doesn't matter if it, you know, if where, you know, what what slide includes what, or you know, in terms of like the order of it, or if you put esports, you know, market size in the beginning or at the end. But I think at least understanding, yeah, doing your research just like any meeting beforehand, I think is important. But I would, yeah, I mean, I think the the decks already like constantly being edited and if you have if you have having to do that with more than one deck like that would be a uh, you know twice as much work yeah so i so i have a question actually what of the investor meetings we've had so far can you talk a bit about the one that you think you feel went the best and why and the one that you feel has gone the worst and why yeah um i think there's always like i i always know when I, uh, and I think I actually have, uh, I sent this to, I'll have to pull it up on my phone, but I sent Vic, uh, a text message, I think after, maybe it was like after some meetings last week and 
uh, we're, I was starting to get into like a rhythm and I, I sent him a text message. I was like, yeah, I'm starting to finally kind of like feel my rhythm here. And I was like, I'm starting to kind of get into a, uh, you know, kind of like pitch or I'm getting into full fundraising mode or something like that. And I was like, I just, you know, killed it with so-and-so I feel like really confident. Uh, and which I think is important to come away. Like after I come away from a call, like feeling like, you know, just like kind of, if you're competing in a sport, you know, competing and playing a sport or, you know, playing games or whatnot, you know, I have that same sort of competitive nature. Uh, and so if I come away from a call and I feel like, you know, I, all their questions, like I nailed and like all, like the whole conversation, I tell you, know, I kept it going the way that I wanted and, and tailored it, you know, accordingly. And so I, I remember telling Vic, I was like, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually feeling really confident about how these conversations are going. Like I haven't had a bad call, call yet. You know, each, uh, you know, each person is really getting it. And, and so I think that was, that was, uh, and that was probably during like the first two weeks of our series A and all the early intro meetings and just how well they're going. And I think that's also why we've progressed so quickly with some of the funds that we currently have is that, you know, some of the early conversations just went really well. Uh, from like, from what went, has gone bad though. Um, you know, it, we've had a couple of people that have passed and I actually, I remember, I actually, I remember the, the, uh, I had a call last week with uh, a firm that's fairly large. Um, uh, and it was with, it was with someone that, that is familiar with esports, but this is also, it was a early morning meeting. So it was probably, you know, probably like, seven eight nine o'clock before it was before nine or eight thirty and I'm, I'm an early morning person i'm definitely a morning person um but for some reason i i, I try to schedule these meetings like after 10 because i think for me like I, that's just when i'm in like a better mindset and this was a morning meeting and i i just i i, I remember coming away from that call like i remember i was like definitely know that these people are not going to invest in us and they ended up passing uh the other day but it was the call was just so I wasn't telling the story right. I was just like, uh, I wasn't articulating things correctly. I think they were confused on certain points. And like, and I knew within the first five minutes, I was like, man, I, this like, and it's, it's crazy to think like, it's just you, nothing was different. Like it was just a phone call. Like nothing was different than the other meetings that I had. But this one was just like, I was just not on either. I, was, I wasn't really in my element or something like I, I didn't have the right mindset going into it. And I just, you know, and so it just didn't, didn't go very well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do the pitches here at Esports One, but, you know, I, a lot of the time I'm explaining to other companies um, to do business development, you know, what, what we do. And I feel like it's a similar scenario when, you, when you're on a phone call and, you know, sometimes people will go, yeah, or like they'll make comments or like, you know, to kind of, it kind of hypes you up to keep going. You're like, yes, I know they're understanding what I'm saying. They're excited. Um, and sometimes it'll be just like silent and you're like, have I like, are you understanding me or, and you can't always like just ask them straight out. So you've just got to go through it and then kind of hopefully at the end, they, they understand and either they're going to be like, oh yeah, that was awesome. I really understand it or, or kind of there's a bit of a disconnect and they might ask questions, but it's really hard to gauge. Do, do you find that on the investor side that do they, do they tend to give you indications that they are understanding it? Or is it usually that when you're pitching, it's like a silent call and then they kind of wait for you to, to finish? Yeah. I mean, I always, I always look for them to, 
uh, verbally, you know, affirm uh, that they they're understanding what I'm saying at, at the very least. If I don't have that verbal affirmation, I I know that I'm not explaining something well enough, or that it's not getting you know the point across. Another thing that I'll I'll listen for is like if I hear so those two sort of things that I listen for. If they're if I hear typing, they're either the thing is they're either taking notes or they're they're distracted oh i know oh man (laughs) and so that's always hard to kind of try to like understand because i have had a lot of times that that i've had like very detailed note takers and and uh throughout the call and it's and and i know that i'll know that they're taking notes though because it will be if i if i reference like any sort of number or any sort of revenue figure or like anything that's like a bullet point list and I hear them typing, you know, there and then, you know, they quickly kind of stop. Then I know that it, they're just like noting, you know, size of our market and how much revenue we have. And, and, and so I try to, you know, but if I hear them talking, you know, typing when I'm just, I don't know, talking about the team maybe, or, or, you know, giving a, uh, talking about kind of maybe even competitors to an extent, then I know that you know their mind; they're distracted. Luckily, that hasn't really been happening during this series A raise, but uh, uh, but it's it's something uh, you know. All these little things, like you just you just kind of catch yourself, kind of thinking about them. Uh, that I think doesn't really isn't something a lot of people like kind of consider when they're raising. But I mean, I'm, I think once you kind of get into the habit or kind of get into a routine, like you just kind of catch yourself. You start seeing these sort of things differently, and and it's good to start talking about it because I I don't realize it unless I'm actually you know doing it. Yeah, it's just like small things that that, t- that you notice that it might not make a huge difference on like whether or not someone says yes or no, but like if you can tweak enough of these small little things, you know, it'll bring bring that uh, conversion rate number up a little bit. Uh, you know, I haven't been you know i'm not super involved in like the talking to vcs on during our series a race side of things but it does seem that we're moving like a decent bit faster than we did during our seed round oh absolutely like our seed round it seemed like for i don't don't remember exactly how long it took but for like we nearly ran out of money yeah that's a good indication that it took a while yeah but like it was like a month or it's it was like i don't know like two or three months or something like that of like just pitching and pitching and pitching and like feeling like you were getting not a ton of forward motion and then it kind of all just fell into place one after another whereas this time it feels like we have a lot of momentum like right at the beginning of the round which is yeah i think during during our seed round like we were we i mean it really it came down to just almost entirely just getting buy-in by our, our like by the people we were pitching they just had to fully trust what i was saying like and i had to you know uh, they had i had to believe what i was saying and they they had to believe what i was saying because you know there wasn't much proof that they could actually see in term like we were still very early um here there's actually like thing you know there's actually uh you know there's data that they can, you know, look at. There's yeah, metrics we can point to and be like, right. look at this metric. That's that's an indicator that things are going. Yeah, well. they can see the size of esportspedia. They can see, you know, how much growth we've done over, you know, since we started. They can see our partnerships with, you know, with the riots and twitches of the world. Like, you know, we, uh, and so it comes that it from there. It's more, you know, selling, not even selling, uh, getting their buy-in on, you know. All right, you know you're you obviously have found uh, you obviously have made 
progress, but now can you, you know, see how quickly you're able to, uh, or not even how quickly, can you take that progress and turn it into a billion dollar idea? And so the reason we're able to, I think, move more quickly now uh, is that one, esports is just, uh, everyone wants to get into esports. Everyone's trying to find that billion dollar play and uh, within this space. And Teams are, aren't really, a lot of investors are shying away from teams. Game publishers, to a regard, are where some of the, a good bit of investment's going. Um, but other than that, there's no, you know, a lot of the, the opportunities right now are, are, you know, they're not billion-dollar opportunities. And, and are, you know, we're positioning ourselves as, as you know, a esports unicorn. And so, uh, and so I think that, Obviously, the FOMO aspect, and you know, and uh, and just kind of, but I think all of those parts are are ensuring that we're just we're going to be able to move pretty quickly in raising this round, and, and and we're raising at a time that we don't need the money, and so, you know, if this takes longer than, like you know, then it could, uh, that's fine. Like we're we're in no rush, basically. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. All right, so so we had quite a few conversations. How many do you, would you think are like very successful or, or would you call like hot in um, in cool lingo, in business? Is that business lingo or am I just being a dork now? Uh, yeah, I think you're being a dork. Um, no, I would say, you know, we, uh, according to kind of, I was looking at our spreadsheet uh, this morning and I would say, you know, we're, we're in really good spots with, uh, you know, at least half of all the investors that we've spoken to um and that's you know a pretty significant number of investors like we've when i say like in a good spot like we we had really good conversations with them there's been follow-up uh you know everything from we're moving to you know second third meetings to partner meetings to due diligence and you know and and even uh, certain cases like we're we're moving and or you know we've had a number of uh or a few people or a few firms actually offer to, you know, lead the rounds. And, uh, and that's, yeah. And that, that's happened much sooner than, uh, from a timeline perspective, you know, we kind of timeline that out to happen a little bit later, but yeah, it's going, uh, how, uh, how long was it into our seed round before we got the first offer to lead? Um, well, so during the seed, in the seed round, we had like, we went through, uh, so I had, I mean, I had partner meetings. I flew out to meet up, meet the partners. So I had like video conference meetings um, that were with all the partners. I flew out to meet the partner, uh, the entire partnership group. I had phone calls with the partners individually, uh, and then had long kind of other discussions. And so we, you know, we didn't. I mean, it, it was months um, of of going through kind of the, like due diligence and everything. And the thing here is. Where these firms are moving into, uh, kind of wanting to lead the round before we get into like all the the due diligence phase because they know you know that we, the due diligence part like when you're an early company and raising money is very important because they want to make sure that you know that you're you're you don't have any uh, outstanding debts that you don't have any lawsuits against you that that all of your financials are in order that all your legal documents you have all the right you know. Uh, you know things in place uh, the due diligence phase for us at this point is sort of a you know sort of just a, a checks and balances sort of deal like so 
they, you know, once they offer to lead or once we get a term sheet, it's not legally binding, uh, you know, and so they, we get a term sheet and then, and then they do the due diligence and if everything checks out, then they proceed, you know, and then we, we, you know, hopefully gotcha. sign the deal. So but it's vice versa for, for during the seed round, basically. Would they, would they look into my background? Can they access the, my they can, they record? 100% can and they probably have, it's but they're clean. probably, they're okay with it. They don't really care about the, you know, stealing candy from the. Yeah, convenience store. Oh, good. Okay, then I'm fine. Then I'm in the clear. Um, so, out of all the um, the investors that you spoke to, is there one particularly that you feel like very strong about? And you, obviously, you don't have to mention name or anything. Um, but you know, what what kind of indication would you get that they're really interested? In, like, what what kind of leads you? Yeah, I mean, well, we have we have a lot of indications from firms that want to lead. I think. Uh, is like we're trying to uh, right now kind of just taking having conversations with with everyone and uh, and kind of focusing on which ones we're most excited about. There's, I mean, I would I would say there there's probably you know there, there's a, a few that we've uh, that we feel very strongly about. I mean, we can. You know, some of them we've had, we've been speaking with since we raised our seed round. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're, we're very, uh, you know, it, we're very excited to continue kind of conversations with, uh, you know, with, you know, a, a couple of funds in particular, but, uh, you know, there, there's a few that we've, we've been speaking with for, for quite some time. So like, I mean, anyone can answer this question out of you both, but like, what, what would you think if you if you're fundraising and you had a few choice of investors, like what would you find would be kind of more appealing, like their portfolio, you know, their fund size, the people, you know, the people that actually work there, um, maybe their ability to kind of push out products or, or, or like influence the market. Like what, what kind of thing just off the top of your head? Like what would you find? Well, I mean, what do y'all think that we like, what do y'all think is, I think that's better, better question for y'all actually. <laughs> like what is more important? Like, you know, f- uh, for a fund, I mean, I can answer this question pretty uh, clearly, but like what, in y'all's opinion, like what is, what's the point of a investor outside of, uh, you know, the capital? Like, and then like, what do you think that we need the most from, from investors, like outside of funding? I wasn't expecting the question back, but I will answer on the fly. Um, for me, I think one, um, I don't think necessarily they need to understand esports, but I think, um, the ability to um, create really good brand awareness. I think it's really important when you're a small company and you're a startup that um, you want people from the outside and, and non-endemic brands to to look into the space and you know see what we're doing and you know seeing how they can get involved in the data. Um, I also think that someone from like our investors that we've got now, I've realized how important it is that them as a people like get along with you as a founder and with the company and and share the vision because it's one thing just kind of throwing money at something you know i originally would have thought that would have just been the ideal scenario you just get the biggest fund with the most amount of money and then they'll just like carry the way but it's actually more important i think the advice and uh, the unity you have with the investors because i feel like that has been so impactful and important for us as a company i don't know what about you jordan yeah i mean i agree with pretty much everything you said for me, like, uh, I'm going to kind of try and answer your original question of the uh, and Matt's at the same time of like how uh, specifically about lead investors. I'm trying to think for esports one, if I had to choose a lead investor and like what traits I would care about most, 
I'd say it probably you want it to be a pretty large fund size because uh, that'll just make more waves kind of when you announce the funding, right? If a very large, you so know, like well-known firm invests. So like that'll help with your announcement of the fundraising. It'll just make it higher tier. But I, I also think that that needs to be balanced with uh, obviously, like you said, making sure that you're very aligned with the investors because that'll re- that's what really helps ensure future rounds of funding go well. And then also um, just like their connections and who they can get you into meetings with, I think would be another really big thing. Like if, if, you know, VC firm one can get us in the room with, you know, ESPN or like, you know, whatever different companies that have, would have a lot of value to us versus, you know, another firm could get us into companies that we don't care about. You know, obviously you go with firm one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think definitely connections outside of esports is good. Um, not sure ESPN. I think we can, I think we're fine with ESPN. I think maybe like, I don't know, we'd have to come up with some other names, but I think it's like. You want, I'm more like traditional sports uh, companies. Like I would say anyone that's connected outside of esports that uh, has like a strong kind of portfolio uh, with synergistic companies to ours. So like, so say like data companies or, um, or uh, technology companies that, that, you know, that they've invested in, that there might be a connection there. But one thing I've found is like, we don't really work very closely with the other companies that our our uh, investors have invested in, and so, like, but one thing that did that. So there's two things that I heard recently from uh, a, a firm that we we've been working very closely with and and could potentially lead. They said that they have um, a recruiter, you know, on payroll. So right now we pay, you know, you know, pretty hefty recruiter fees um and so whenever we hire like a a really you know a big uh, employee uh, you know a, a vp or director or whatever you know we have to pay 20 25 percent uh uh you know commission on that for referral and this fund has a a on-demand you know kind of for uh on salary recruiter and so that's that will save us you know substantial money but they also have a um they also had a data uh, kind of team that really that their founders of the fund not only come from like data but they have like this data kind of team that has because of all the how many investments that they've worked in or that they've invested in and companies that that are data and technology um, startups they built a team that's just focused on basically improving and optimizing how you manage store utilize your you know your data your database oh that is pretty cool um and those are just sort of like unique things that that uh that for us and for me like hold a lot of weight like the the money the size of the round and the name recognition all yeah all great definitely um but it's sort of the uh, like you know like john was mentioning you know the uh how you know how critical vic and damon have been to our series a uh and involved in the process like uh, we would you know we we would be lost right now uh more likely without them i think we'd be okay but like i think we would not be moving this quickly and so we want that sort of kind of relationship with uh with our lead investors investors yeah well i mean the process changes every round like looking back at seed round compared to this you know we're doing so many things differently we're doing so many things better um 
and so it's interesting to see that unfold but yeah definitely you're right about i think the resources are just such a a key element even like looking back to when we were doing that initial press release for the seed round like um you know caitlin from eniac um, oh it was huge amazing like you know that she was just able to like guide us and teach us in the right way because you know a lot of the lot of she did the press really she did our she was like their pr yeah she um but yeah she like her knowledge it helps us, especially, you know, start up with a lot of us, are, you know, are learning as we go. Yeah, you know, no, I've never done a press release for a company that raised funding before. So we're being able to work with someone that has done that over and over and over again is, is definitely super helpful. Yeah. It just helps accelerate your knowledge so you can for do sure. it better. And the connections it provided. Yeah, and she already had, yeah, she had relationships with all yeah. the journalists, knew who to talk to, knew how to set up the interviews. Um, and so small things like that are just, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're, uh, make a big difference and the big thing to kind of you know you have to remember going from a seed uh, going from seed you know round to series a is that you know you're you're basically your seed round investors are while they you know they have pro rata rights and they they will you know invest in your your series a round to keep their equity uh percentage you know they're basically handing things off to the series a investors and so it's like you know it's like the you know, you're, they're and they're gonna kind of take a step back, and they'll still, you know, be involved and there to, to talk to. But this is sort of the the path, uh, you know, forward. And as you know, uh, it can be, uh, you know, kind of depressing knowing that you know now you're not going to be working with your seed round investors really anymore. Uh, you're working now. You know, you're moving up to your Series A investors, and it's just, but it's just part of the process. You're like your parents, and you're the kid going off to college. Damn it! I was gonna say that. That's, actually, oh, that that's a so really cute. good. You get to see them on the weekends still, but that's about it. That's actually that's actually a perfect. Uh, I was holding that for so long. I'm like, I'm gonna let Matt finish. I didn't even think me. about that. Uh-huh. But it, it is like you know, you, you do build such a close relationship. The amount of like you know nights that I've I've left work pretty late, and Matt is still on the phone to either like you know Vic or Damon. Um, yeah, I mean, I told I'm, I, I mean, I can just give you all an example. Like, I, I text with Damon, um, and as I'm talking about that, I'm getting, I just got a text message from an investor, um, which is kind of cool, because uh, they had, they had something really cool to say. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm texting with Vic. Like, Vic's on, I think it's his birthday, or he's on whatever a pre-birthday uh, celebration is. I didn't think that was a thing, but he's doing it. Pre- well, you're an investor; you can do it. Yeah, want. exactly. But he, we've been texting while he's on. So I think he like sneaks away while he's uh, on this quote-unquote vacation, um, and he's he's obviously working when I think his wife uh, told him not to. But we've been working, uh, you know, through this this entire time, and like we're texting literally nonstop. He gave me some really good advice for GDC uh, in terms of uh, how to handle drinking with investors, which uh, was kind of a, a good... Uh, Is that a tip you can share with the audience? It, well, it's... So don't have more than two... Don't have more than two drinks with investors and drink very slowly. Um, he yeah. said, be very uh, be very conservative and they will enjoy the time, but they will also judge you if you're, you know, if you're overly drinking and getting a bit too tipsy. So it's important to, you know, you you want uh, you want to definitely have if you if you drink, obviously if you're um, you can have you know have a drink, have a cocktail, uh, but not you know not more than two. So no Long Island iced teas. I would yeah I would stay away from Long Island iced teas. Yeah, keep it classy. Is it ever weird? Like and this is just kind of a random question. 
if you invite like an investor out or like you, you to a meeting and then they don't drink or like you invite them out for coffee or something, maybe you don't meet investors for coffee, but it's kind of weird if they don't order anything. So you like go on to a place. I don't think I've ever had that happen actually. So most people are like invite it. Cause, cause I've been to, I've been to business meetings and we've, they've said, you know, meet at a coffee shop and I've ordered a coffee and then they haven't ordered anything. I always I've been on more, I've been on dates that are like that. That's actually kind oh, of yeah, that's, worse. I think that is worse. <laughs> yeah. But no, with, um, uh, when investors, like whenever Vic comes in town, we'll go out to, you know, we'll go to dinner the night before and, uh, and yeah, we, uh, we have, we have a good time, but that that's also when the two drink minimum doesn't apply when it's just you and, and someone that's already given you money, then, then yeah. the, then the rules, uh, no longer, no longer apply. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of nice that you can do that because obviously not everyone listening to this podcast will see, but Matt works like crazy hours. So a lot of the nights that, you know, if the team goes out. Um, you know, he's often stuck in the office, um, doing work. And so it's kind of nice to see that, you know, you, you do get to spend the time with, um, going out once in a while. Cause I mean, you know, being a founder, it's a, it's a full-time job in terms of like 24 hours a day, not just like, you know, your nine to fives. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of work. It's, uh, but I think, you know, I think that's also like kind of one thing you have to just be ready to do is like, you know, there's. You know, every every weekend I'm I'm catching up on on. Uh, it gives me a time to actually just be like you know without you know because I'm always bugging you. Well, I mean, it's not <laughs> bugging me, but it's like you know I want people to be at, be able to ask me questions all day and like come in and talk, talk and want feedback and all that. I think that's very important. I think I want to be involved in all that. So I use the weekends and, and late nights to kind of like you know kind of silo myself and and get all my emails done. Get you know any work I have to. Uh, get over to invest or, or whatever it might be. Well, yeah, I mean, during the week, you're getting pulled in so many different directions. Like, right. That must just be great to be able to sit down and only yeah. think about one thing and until you finish actually, that one thing. And I actually look forward to, like, like as sad as it is, I look forward to the weekends where I get to, or, like, Friday nights where I get to stay late in the office by myself. And, uh, this like, is uh, such a sad story. Yeah, I'm like, feeling depressed. Like, you, know what I'm, you know what? Saturday mornings, waking up at 8 a.m. and coming into the office to work is the best feeling ever. Well, well, everyone else is out drinking them. <laughs> what I'm hearing is that Friday evenings, we should leave more around 3 or 4 p.m. Oh, to good give call. him yeah, that's that good, good call. feeling. We are going to be day. such inconsiderate employees. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> we, should, we should just leave earlier all the time to give him more. more to spend. Uh, no, that's funny. <laughs> Um, I mean, you mentioned GDC before. I mean, that might be a good transition yeah. to, to talk about what's, what we're up to next week. We're heading to GDC on Wednesday. So this actually um, timed, uh, it was, you know, the timing was actually really good because we needed to get to, to San Francisco um, to meet with investors. And you guys uh, will be running around GDC filming people and I don't know for filming what. Filming people, recording people. This sounds so strange. You know, maybe elaborate. <laughs> so just just to, if you're not aware, um, it's a game developers conference. Um, a lot of these these are events and conferences. Um, you know, it's it's partly about the conference, but it's also about the centralization of a meeting place because a lot of people travel from you know different states um, to be involved. And so w- when we're there, we really like to capitalize and meet with as many people as we can, seeing what's going on in the industry. So w- when Matt will be busy pitching, and I've seen his schedule, it is back to back it is insane um jordan and i will be going around and, uh, and meeting with people that we've set up um meeting like weeks ago um 
because it gets really busy but it means that everyone's in their location and and so you've yeah, got everybody's together yeah. yeah and it's it's a good way i mean we have meetings set up with companies that we specifically tried to set up meetings with this company because we think there's you know possible synergy or value there but it's also good not every single meeting you you have has to be with a company you're looking to like do a really heavy partnership with and move forward it's it's at an industry like this, like Johnny said, you have people coming from different states, different countries, you know, all over the world. And so it's a really great way to kind of get your finger on the pulse of the industry, like in person. What is everyone working on right now? What are like the products that are upcoming in the next three to six months? Like what what kind of what's the focus of the industry right now? You know, in different different technologies or different uh, features or products, like I feel like they come kind of in bunches. Like you won't have maybe just one person working on like live streaming engagement like it's going to be a few people like that's going to be kind of the hypey thing to be working on well it's also i think in the same way that we think of venture uh and and talking to investors and like a lot of the firms that we're talking to now are firms that we spoke with right after we raised our seed round and we've just kept kind of a dialogue going you know from then on and we, i knew like during our first conversations after i spoke to some of these these firms after we raised our seed round that you know, we weren't raising money. We just had, we just raised a bunch of money. And so uh, why, you know, why would I want to talk to, a, you know, VCs or, you know, for funds that, you know, can't provide any immediate value for me? Well, it's because I know that there'll be a time where they can. And the same can be said for, you know, these sort of meetings and meeting with, you know, just kind of uh, people within the industry is, even if there's actually, you know, zero, uh, overlap or part, you know, partnership opportunity there. Um, you know, obviously you have to va- you have to manage your time very efficiently and ensure that you are you know the people one the people that you are meeting with that you're doing so in a productive way and that it's time efficient that you're getting value from it. But also you know you I think the esports industry is so uh, uh, you know connected and there's so much uh, you know everyone kind of knows one another to an extent that. If you can build rapport with a company or a startup or individual, you know, uh, early on in their kind of career path, or, you know, you never know what that will turn into, you know, a year, two years down the road. And the same, like we mentioned that, um, you know, investors want to talk, you know, they introduce you to the companies they've invested in. And so, you know, if people are asking around to esports companies, have you, have you heard about esports one, you know, they've met with us and they actually, they can say what we do like in, in a correct way because you know if you if you if you're based on just like articles and stuff you're only getting like a, a small kind of pie piece of the pie i don't think that's a good terminology but something like that of, of what we do and you know we're doing quite complex things and really intricate things and so when you're able to, to meet with people and talk about it then they could be you know your advocates and at the same time you know if we meet with a company we really like what they're doing even though we can't work with them we're very happy to intro them to someone else that, yeah. that may yeah, be we do a lot, valuable yeah. and, and so it's that kind of the thing I love about esports and what I haven't really felt in other industries that I've worked in that it is that community. It's still the same. It's it's similar to the actual gaming community that that people you know want to work together, want to build the industry together. And I think that's a really important thing and that you that you care about the growth and you 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 know help each other out and stuff. So right. I really like that. I think you have to have yeah. You just really have to have a way to you know to going into these meetings like capitalizing off of what the comp what the meetings are about and trying to have some sort of follow-up from it. I'm sure you'd have that. So, um, so I guess, you know, what are anything else we want to touch on about GDC? I think, you know, a lot of these meetings that we're going to be having, uh, not only with partners, but with the funds, the, the VCs will be, 
you know, face-to-face meetings. And the reason that's so important is, like I've kind of said throughout, I can, you know, I've had some of these meetings in San Francisco, they'll be the first time I'm meeting with these firms, but they'll be, uh, they'll be face-to-face meetings. And, uh, and they're actually, some of them are, are, you know, between either 45 minutes or an hour, which is great. Um, but it's much easier to get a read from someone if you're look, if you're, you know, face to face with them versus, you know, on the phone. Um, and it's easy to present, you know, material. So a lot of these, you know, so I, I strategically kind of, uh, you know, reached out and went through the process with some of these firms to ensure that it was, we could time it for when, while we're in San Francisco. So once we come after that, this little gauntlet, you know, ideally we'll have a, we'll have a podcast or do another episode while we're in San Francisco, uh, while we're there. And then another one, you know, hopefully the one that we do right after that, we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll start, you know, at least, uh, having a, a better idea of who the, who will be making up the fun and, uh, start talking to them. Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, next week's going to be really big. Is there anything else we want to we want to cover before we wrap it up? Uh, if any of you in the Slack community or anybody listening is going to be at GDC and you're interested in, in trying to set up a meeting, we our schedules are pretty uh, pretty slammed, uh, pretty packed already. But uh, if you're interested, you want to reach out to us and, and see if we can make something work, go on and join our Slack channel. It's uh, e1.gg slash slack. Uh, just join and shoot Jordan, Johnny, or Matt a message. Uh, we'd be happy to happy yeah. to chat. Yeah, we're trying to join, grow. We, we're using the Slack as a good way to follow up after each of these episodes, as well as uh, you know the team here is actively responding to people, replying, kind of uh, you know giving feedback, advice. So definitely, if you're uh, interested in esports industry or starting a company or website or you know raising funding. I definitely join our Slack and I and uh, give us a give us a holla. Yeah, you can also head to www. Can I do I say www? No one says www. I know. I, as I no said that, I'm like, that. Who, how old am I? Well, you just well, you, you should start at HTTP. Colon, if you want to be modern, you forward say forward slash forward slash. Also, you click on Google Chrome, open a web browser. How far do I have to go back? Right. Turn on the computer. Turn on your computer. All right. Anyway, you can head to our website, esports1.com. We have all our social media links there as well. So feel free to follow us. But yeah, next week from GDC. You're not supposed to say .com either. Yeah, just esports1. Dot. Oh, wait. I was like, I actually thought about that. Oh, God, I'm such a goose. <laughs> all right. Anyway, see you later, everyone. Thanks see for you guys next in. week.